Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made from best to worst. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's been going good. Uh, my lovely girlfriend gave me Junji Ito's Cat Diary for Christmas, so I've been Whoa. finally reading Yan and Moo. Oh my um, god, tell me about it. This is maybe one of the... Junji Ito is pretty um, beloved, and rightfully so. He's, a, oh, he's, a baby he's angel. incredibly talented. Um, and this comic is especially memed. It's very uh, difficult to, be, to know who Junji Ito is and not see this comic. Uh, mm-hmm. But it exceeds the hype. It is incredible. So uh, this is the one with the the cats. Who uh, apparently he was like a li- he he's like a lifelong cat lover in his normal life. Uh, what's interesting is he says actually I prefer dogs. <laughs> really? Yeah, but he's like my my uh, so wanted a cat, so I was like yeah sure. <laughs> but what's great is he writes and draws this nonfiction comic like he. He paces a horror comic where he's like the the gnawing dread of getting this cat because mm-hmm. Holy his shit. his uh, his lady's like, hey, remember that cat at my parents' house? He's like, oh yeah, that's a that's an okay cat, and he's like, actually, it kind of and you know to the audience, he's like, actually, it kind of freaks me out because he's he's really intense. He's like, well, he's gonna come move in with us, and he's like, <laughs> what? That curse is coming to my home. And I, he yeah. does not draw his girlfriend with pupils. She's just totally like <laughs> wide-eyed the whole time. And <laughs> Holy shit. I, this is honestly, I feel like if anybody can um, sort of engage with and understand the innate horror of cats, it has to be Junji Ito. Yes. Also, uh, besides just being terrifying, he includes actual, there's actual photos included of both Yan and Moo and <laughs> the likeness. Because Moo, Yan has like a weird skull pattern on his back and you're like, there's no fucking way that that cat can actually have a skull in spots. And that motherfucker right. does. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, honestly, on, uh, Junji Ito, he's one of those people that if you tried explaining his work to somebody who'd never seen a Junji Ito comic before, like, there's something ineffable that you kind of can't totally translate. Yeah, there's something about the way that he draws faces that mm-hmm. is uh, especially... Faces and teeth, I think, are some things that he's very good at drawing very uh, unsettling renditions of yeah well and he's also like a really great like sort of intro to guru like yeah, yeah. i mean because especially with guru I, I think it's that you know what it is you're you're like a normal nice kid and then you have like a, a, a dirtbag classmate or something or you fall down a hole on the internet and they're like hey what do you know about guru and you're like i like sailor moon and they're like sure this is like that but way more guts and then they just like give you the worst things in the world um and I feel like as an adult, I can appreciate the shit out of how much a Junji Ito, like, so many of the, the, like, the scenarios and the things in his work are immediately familiar to you on some level. Like, the comic of, like, about people, like, climbing into holes in the wall and then emerging as, like, sausage meat on the other side. Like, there are certain things that you get obsessed with and you're like, this is my hole. It was made for me. And you, just, <laughs> you follow it down as far as you can. Uh, but did you know that there's now a uh, Midori challenge on TikTok? 
What is that where you like the alcoholic drink like Green Midori? No, like the movie we watched about incest and um, oh. circus freaks licking eyeballs. Oh, you mean the most upsetting anime of all time? Yeah, the yeah, most Midori. upsetting anime of all time is now a TikTok challenge where you watch it and post your reaction. <laughs> Holy shit! We we watched that entire thing for this podcast. I'm I'm weirdly tickled pink that this is a thing that. The kids are into these days. You know, Especially God because bless. I've also uh, got on sticker app and custom made some Shoujo Subaki stickers recently because Man, yeah. I can't be happy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's just fundamentally not going to happen. Honestly, I love... I love that the internet, because, you know, you, you sort of worry with, like, hard-to-find stuff like Midori, where it's like, oh, man, upsetting things that might ruin somebody's childhood. Like, you know, where are they going to get those now? We had those when we were kids. The internet actually makes it way more widely available, and I think that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, we just had to rely on Saturday anime on the Sci-Fi channel, but now <laughs> they just have YouTube. Yeah, that's exactly Which it. is Honestly, where we found this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, although, uh, yeah, okay, so... Holy shit, so the movie we're doing for this week, uh, which is our 500th movie on our list that we have now done, and not ranked yet, because that's at the end of the episode, but the I movie also we're doing. to talk about how we could have done so many more movies, and yet you and I learned of the existence of this movie this week, and are like, no, we're not going to do a John Carpenter <laughs> movie, we're going to do <laughs> this son of a bitch. I was actually, th- this is what it is, uh, at the outset, because at, uh, on our last episode, at the very end, we realized, like, oh shit, that was our 499th movie, what are we going to do? And my impulse was to, like, to go big time, where I'm like, let's do one of the heavy hitters. Like, we've never done the original Friday the 13th, uh, we've never done, like, the original The Fly, or any of those, and... I love that this was the one we landed on. (laughs) (laughs) Especially Uh, because, like, I don't want to part the curtain too much. We had some really good picks for movies we could have done. I don't want to mention them because I don't want people to turn the episode off out of frustration. (laughs) Right. Uh, But we did have some... uh, some movies from the Happy Madison uh, canon. <laughs> Oeuvre, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> several sort of spooky-related Adam Sandler movies, which, honestly, listen, I can watch Midori. I can I can watch <laughs> Lily Cat, but, you know, Little Nicky, I'm sorry. I just think there are certain... <laughs> There are certain lines you don't cross, and Happy Madison is one of them. Spooky Buddies um, is one thing, but Little Nicky, absolutely not. <laughs> Certainly not. Um, So yeah, so all right. So the movie we're doing for this week it is from 1994. It is a German animated neo noir uh, horror mystery called uh, Felide. Felide? Well, it's Latin, so I guess it would be Felide. There we go, Felide. Which now this came out, and I need to point this out. This movie came out the same year as The Lion King. And features a very different cat-centric uh, narrative. Um, this movie was apparently... So this was, uh, at the time, the most uh, expensive uh, German movie ever made. Apparently, like, millions of dollars went into this. Like, this was a big deal for Germany at the time. Which sort of makes sense to me that, like... I mean, because you think of the German film industry, and it's like, okay, well, what was... Now, okay, here's the thing. You might look at the cover of this movie, you know, you're nine years old, and you're like, oh, there's a nice font on this on this poster. There's a cute cat in front of the sun, looking funny. 
this is probably a kid's movie. Oh, friends and neighbors, it is not a kid's movie. And I also like that they make very, um, they're very intentional about, as the movie begins, saying this is not a kid's movie in the weird prog rock uh, Bilbo Baggins ass theme song. <laughs> Speaking of Bilbo Baggins, it's incredible to me that this movie is not a Ralph Bakshi production. Like, this is not the same person who did Fritz the Cat or, like, Heavy Traffic. Like, this is... Because you think of movies... Now, here's the thing. At the top of the thing I need to point out, this is a movie about animated cats doing animated cat stuff, and they disembowel each other, and they bleed all over the place. They get their heads chopped off. All manner of fucking horrors that you would associate with, like, a Ralph Bakshi thing, and it's just a German adult cartoon about cats? Yeah, I think I also need to be a grump for a while and talk about how we associate animated movies like this. Like, you can either be Walt Disney or you can be Ralph Bakshi. Right. But animation is not a genre. That's true. It's a medium. It's a medium. And I think we kind of fuck up when we start to talk about, like, no it's a genre and it has to do certain things because mm-hmm. then you get stuff like fella day. That's like, I'll show you, I'll show you all. <laughs> I mean, fella day, honestly, for me, I saw so many of those upsetting animated movies when I was a kid, like all dogs go to heaven. That <laughs> I feel like have prepared me for watching an upsetting animated movie. Um, and, and like, this is again, by no means, certainly by 1994, uh, this was by no means a new and novel thing. Like there had been adult animated movies, you know, there'd been heavy metal and Fritz the cat. Like we said, like there, there have been so many up until this point that by 1994, um, it was not such an odd thing to have an animated movie that you should not bring your kids to. And what's also fascinating is this is based off of a novel, mm-hmm. which is an adult novel with a cat protagonist. Now, and, and uh, you know, at the top of the show, I, as many of our listeners might know, I'm fucking obsessed with cats. Like, I'm a weird cat person. Like, if I did not live with Christina and Sarah... I would 100% be a weird cat guy with, like, nine cats shitting up my house. I love cats so much. And that being said, like, this movie... Now, a thing that I appreciate about this movie is that I feel like this movie is down with why cats are the shit worst. (laughs) It really does spin... At the end of the movie, you're like, no, I don't like any of the characters in this movie. Makes me think of uh, when I saw Cats 2019, which, by the way, uh, that was the last movie I saw in theaters before quarantine. (laughs) So it was Cats 2019, for God's sake. Uh, But, you know, like somebody tweeted after they saw Cats 2019 that like, God damn it, I can't even look at my cat in the face now. And so much of this movie. Now, all right. So at the top of the movie, it's it's a neo-noir. The main character of the movie uh, is a tomcat named Francis. Or I guess tomcats don't have their balls. He's a cat named Francis. Um, and he is sort of like a, a, a Philip Marlowe, Sam Spade sort of a character. Big bald fellow. <laughs> yeah. And he, so he comes to this now, so he comes to this house uh, and he notes that it smells like toxic waste and shit. Like he gets sort of, humans are very few and far between in this movie, I think. Yes, and yet they do talk. Like, it would have been very easy to have, like, a, um, to have, like, a Charlie Brown 
Charlie Brown's teacher kind of thing <laughs> where like they don't understand the humans but you right, actually like see the few humans that are in this movie quite a bit and they're just bungling idiots yeah yeah and the cats can understand the people and i think that so much of this movie is uh the idea now and i will say a thing i really like about this movie and the animation in this movie you never see cats moving like people like yes. the cats their their body motions are always pure cat and i think that's really fucking cool to have maintained for the duration of a movie especially because they could have made this aristic aristocats but with fucking <laughs> aristocats doing the aristocrats yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which is basically kind of what this movie is in places. There is, holy shit, there's a lot to unpack. Um, so Francis uh, gets dropped on this house and he quickly befriends uh, a one-eyed bastard cat named Bluebeard. Oh, I love who, Bluebeard so much. Oh, man. I, I think of Bluebeard as being kind of the, the um, like, roadhouse. Like, he is the Sam Elliott character to Patrick Swayze's character. <laughs> Where, you know, like, Francis is sort of, like, trying to make sense of everything. And he's, like, helpful. And this guy's just like, ah, forget about it, kid. I'm a cat with one eye. I, I, I would smoke a cigar if I could. Ah. And he's just, like, all over this movie. He is, I think, my favorite part of this movie, actually, is Bluebeard the cat. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Francis discovers almost immediately after moving into his new house that cats are being murdered in this neighborhood. <laughs> And and not just murdered, but like vivisected. Yeah, yeah, like heads chopped off, guts strewn around, um, and it's pretty bad. Now, there's another thing that I love, which is that they brief, they do this a lot in the first act of the movie, and then nowhere else. They refer to human beings as can openers, <laughs> and that's just the most badass power move I've ever heard in my life. Is cats just being like, ah, that stupid can opener didn't know what he was doing. Like it's. God, it's it's perfect. Um, and he starts to unravel this thing of like, wow, it's there's a lot of dead cats in this vicinity, guys. Um, and it's sort of a blue velvet thing where he starts sort of like falling through the cracks of this thing and like trying to trying to figure out what happened. And um, especially because he doesn't really, it's it's that great noir trope of I have nothing to do with this and could very easily just leave it alone and live right. a normal life but I gotta pick the scab, I gotta figure out what's going on, and it's way deeper than he could have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. But also, they're cats, so... Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Like, I, I also, I love that as a noir theme that, like, you know what, I could just have, like, you know, three hots and a cot at this house and then never bother myself with anything else, but, you know, he, he, they, he finds the dead cat. Another thing that happens is that he starts having these dream sequences now the dream sequences in Felidae are incredible they're the most feverish nightmares i've seen animated in maybe ever no not ever because i've seen midori but like <laughs> sure midori i mean that's the high water are grotesque yeah and i mean it's on the level of sort of like the surrealism, like, you know, you get this, the shot that I can't stop thinking about. Now, there, uh, there's a narrative running through this movie uh, involving human beings that uh, on the first dream that Francis has, there is a human whose back is to him and he's wearing a white lab coat and Francis is like, hey, I'm a cat. And then the guy turns around and it's he's got a void where a face should be. It's like his face got scooped out with a melon baller. Yes. And it is fucking upsetting 
Um, and he's, you know, he puts a leash around this cat's neck and then just starts, like, there's a chain attached to it. And he's just, like, using this cat just, like, at, like, a like a, a flail, just, like, hitting him, hitting him against the walls. It's so upsetting. Um, they never they never really ease up on the dream sequences being upsetting, which I really appreciate. No, in fact, that's the that's relatively mild compared to the um, the ev- the eviscerated cat uh, marionettes that Francis Oof. dreams about later. Oh man! It yeah yeah. So he you know so he starts to figure out uh, like a Lovecraft protagonist that like hmm something's hinky around here, um, and we're introduced to this other cat named joker uh joker is a son of a bitch (laughs) the dirt worst just the absolute dirt worst uh he's a big fucking beefy bastard cat who who rolls up on bluebeard and francis and i want to say makes an alarming number of homophobic slurs for an animated movie a whole lot it's a lot where he's just like he literally and this is verbatim dialogue uh, th- this cat yells uh, to Bluebeard, I see you've been cruising the gay scene for a change. That cute little thing behind you is a juicy number. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing in this cat movie? Like, can we not? And he's, you know, sort of like promising the guy like, yeah, you know, we'll have a date later where I kill you. And it's like, this is 100% more homophobic threats than I'm used to in an animated movie. It's a little jarring. Also, I love how horny on Maine all the cats are. One of the first things Bluebeard says to Francis is, I've I've had sex with more women than Henry VIII. It's incredible. by women, I mean other cats. Yeah, now that's the thing. This movie has an ambient horniness that's not actually wholesome. Like, it is, it's uncomfortable. Like, these cats fuck, and it's horrifying. A point which they explore later on in the... He's also called Bluebeard, and of course the legend of Bluebeard is the pirate who murders his uh, wife on their honeymoon every night. Yeah, yeah. So that mixed with Henry VIII, is he just, is Bluebeard just bragging about like, ha, I've murdered every cat I've ever slept with. (laughs) I got I got them all I got them all stored in my cat kennel. Like it's it's a weird brag to have if your name is Bluebeard. Um which by the way in German. Now, this is this being a German movie, Bluebeard is the English translation. I watched the English tra- English translation. His name is Blaubart, which I love very much. <laughs> um Quincy, wait, did you have this on Blu-ray? Like where did you where did you find this? I watched the YouTube dub as well. I did too. Yeah, yeah. And and apparently there's never been an official like there's never been an official american release of fella day um i wonder why yeah i mean what like they're gonna do a 4k release of the day the clown cried um (laughs) i I mean the thing is like the 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 voices in the version i saw were pretty good but it did definitely sound like it was one super talented voice actor like f trooping his way around the room to different microphones to voice different characters they are very samey in that, but but I also love that they're that very eighties nineties voice acting. Like, mm-hmm. like it's it's very much for me. It 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 caresses that caveman part of my brain that insists on listening to the nineties um, dub of Sailor Moon and has been making yeah. me collect uh, Slayer's VHS tapes. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, there's, there's, a, there's only the '80s dub of Akira for me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it, please. I don't want you know. I don't want you bringing in like Daniel Day Lewis and Meryl Streep to re-record this for me. Like, I'm perfectly satisfied with the Jank version. In fact, it sort of elevates it for me if it, if it's like a second off of the mouths moving and it kind of sounds like somebody did this like heavy breathing in a phone booth at three in the morning recording the dialogue. <laughs> Um, we are, so we are quickly introduced to, there is a cat cult, cult of cats, um, that worship an entity named Claudinus. Um, and what they do is that they've got, now, this is one of the most disturbing things, uh, in, in the movie is that there's a cult that's sort of like run by, is it Joker who's running the show? Joker. And, and Kong is also around and he's like a bastard, big buff cat. Yeah, yeah, and and this cult worships a being called Claudinus, and the way that they uh, show fealty to Claudinus is to commit cat suicide by, um, they've got this, like, sort of kitty Tesla coil uh, that just shoots big bolts of electricity across the room, that cats commit suicide by throwing themselves into and then just frying themselves up like popcorn shrimp and then dropping to the floor dead. Um, it's a lot to watch. Yeah, because they show it. It's not even, like, hinted at. It's like, no, we're just gonna watch a cat be electrocuted. <laughs> this movie needed to exist. <laughs> um, and so, I uh, so Francis witnesses this, and he sort of, you know, he's, like, freaked out by it. And then the cult of Claudinus goes like, hey, who's that weird cat? And they chase him, but he escapes. And then he's immediately introduced to a blind cat named Felicity. Quincy, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I had a lot of feelings about Felicity the blind cat. You know, I did too. I was thinking about how uh, products of the uh, early 90s, like you and me, those born in that 85 to 90 range, we had no fighting chance of not being... um, how do I put this delicately? Uh, not being horny on Maine for furry motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's kind of what it is. Like I, you know, listen, uh, I, 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 I support furries. I'm, I, I want them to have uh, uh, all of the, all of the, the happiness in the world. You know, like it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be. Uh, I don't understand it, and it's, it's strange to me. But listen, there, you know what it is. The internet has poisoned my brain so much that. There, people jerk off to so many horrifying things on the internet that at this point, in t- in the year of our Lord Arn Anderson 2021, somebody tells me, you know what, I just want to dress up like a cartoon wolf and fuck another cartoon wolf. Via con Dios, you know, like... <laughs> you're consenting you're not, adults, go for it. Yeah, you're not hurting anybody. Like, this is... And also, furries are really good about kicking Nazis out of their communities. Like, I... <laughs> you know, they're comrades. I, I, If you're a furry and you listen to the podcast, God bless you. And I, you know, uh, yeah, have have fun with that. I, I, I don't understand it. I know for it. a fact that furries listen to this podcast. And yes, you are our brother's... Or sisters in arms. I also want to Absolutely. talk about how uh, the cats in this movie refer to each other as brother and sister. Yeah, which is a weird thing because in my experience with cats, they are not the bonhomie type with other cats. Like, <laughs> it's it's weird that every cat in the thing is like, oh, you know, like our brothers and sisters keep turning up with their heads chopped off. And I'm like, no, what this is, 
is like six cats sharing the same slightly raised surface and all of them loafing on it and pretending that the other five are not there. <laughs> like cats don't really now. And like cats have like one or two other cats that they are obsessed with and that they like soul bond with and are inseparable. And it makes me want to cry when I see it. But for the most part, like a cat just referring to every other generic cat as their brother or sister. I'm not buying that so much from Felidae. But what's interesting is, in practice, they really don't like each other. Because the mystery that Francis uncovers is that actually cats all hate each other uh, with an intense passion. You know what, actually? Now that I think about it, calling each other brother and sister when they really fucking hate each other actually kind of checks out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think of my family and I'm like... Yeah, yeah, they're they're, call- they're 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 not calling them brother and sister as a compliment. <laughs> um, that's yeah, yeah, and so we've we got have um, similar genetic makeup because we're all horny and we're just <laughs> ambiently having sex as street cats. So you are literally my brothers and sisters. Oh man, this movie is Quincy. This movie is too horny. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want, I want this movie to be like 80% less horny than it is. The Faustian Nonsense Network is here to help you produce your best work. We can edit, direct, draft, storyboard, and help your podcast increase its output and connect with the right audience. It doesn't even have to be a podcast. If you have a creative project that you want to monetize and get the most out of, Faustian Nonsense can make it happen. Come join our community and let's build something great together. Like, I, it's, it's incredible. Like, there are so many moments in this thing now, Felicity, so when Fran- when Francis is talking to Felicity, he comes into the room and, you know, she, you know, she's like, oh, is it, is it dark outside yet? And he's like, well, surely you can see. And she's like, no. And he's like, oh, you're blind. And she's like, I'm not blind. I just can't see, which <laughs> quietly I've been thinking about all day. And I love that line. Um, but, you know, very quickly, you sort of get this thing of Felicity talking about human beings and apparently a human being blinded her uh, she because she's like oh somebody bent over me and there was something bright in their hand and then there was a great amount of pain and then I was blind um, and then she says you know there's no way a human being blinded me the human race is the kindest there is pure sweet felicity no no people but are I so also bad love that when I look at my girlfriend's cat in the face he mm-hmm. honestly believes that and yeah. it's because we feed him Oh, sure. And I mean, he well, has no thought. We are the can openers. But also, in his limited worldview, he believes it 100% that we're the kindest beings in the world because <laughs> he sees us and also looks out the storm door at the other uh, neighborhood cats. And that's right. It. Right. And he's like, well, you've got a warm lap and you scratch my ears and you give me food. So you're great. But I mean, my thing is, uh, I love cats so much because that exists alongside like... You know, if you've got a cat, like 200 pounds difference between your bodies and you would have a very different relationship with this creature. <laughs> like, you know, if I if I blew uh, my my my, you know, my my beloved elderly uh, pit bull Tinkerbell, if I blew her up to like Clifford size, I don't think our relationship would fundamentally change as a result of that. Like she might trample me accidentally, but <laughs> You know, it, it, it wouldn't occur to her that anything had changed where, like, you you make your cat substantially bigger than you. It's not that your cat will kill you because they really want to kill you. It's that it wouldn't occur to them not to. Of course they would. The, yeah. The statistics on just ambient cat murder are are jarring to me, which also makes oh, this yeah. film not that big of a stretch when I actually think about it. <laughs> 
But the amount yeah. of just bugs and reptiles and birds that cats just kill because they can uh-huh. is uh, sobering. I, I love it. I love that they're like now they they are nature's perfect killing machine, and they're also lazy pieces of shit who sleep <laughs> like eighteen hours a day. Um, I love and respect cats. And that being said, like that, that's a thing that I you know uh, I respect about them is like I feel like I'm like Ash from Alien talking about them, where I'm like I admire their purity, like untainted by concepts of morality. <laughs> like I it's it's I respect it about them so much. Um. But Felicity is under no such uh, uh, illusion. Like, you know, she's sort of like, oh, no, people are really, really good. And then, now, here's the thing. Francis says to Felicity, like, okay, so have you heard all of the screams happening from that Claudinus cult? And she's like, oh, yeah, they all sound like they're super horny. And he's like, what? And she's like, "Uh, the death cries always uttered by tomcats. I could tell by their growls that they were dot, dot, dot excited and i'm like come on can we please stop talking about cat boners <laughs> or at least lean further into it oh yeah yeah uh and so she you know like she has a, a bit of a thing with francis and then very quickly um after this uh now okay so we are introduced to a cat named pascal um they they discover this cat after entering a building that has a giant blown up painting of a panel from the Kama Sutra of a a dude and a chick fucking. The quote is: Have we come to the house of an art collector or a pimp? <laughs> Which is a legitimate question with this type of decor. I mean, I love it because it it supposes that cats are familiar with the worlds of both human sex work and human art dealership. And I love that they're like, hey, what the fuck's going on with this fuck painting? Like, it's just not also too far of a reach when we learn that Pascal is a researcher. Man, it's yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Pascal is, um, you know, those big mustache cats that. Like, when I, when I see a big mustache cat, my brain kind of doesn't totally want to acknowledge that this is a cat because it's, like, a grown adult man. It's like a little colonel. Like, he's just got this huge mustache. Um, and Pascal is, uh, he's got a huge database going of all of the cats in the area that have been killed. And the, the information science of this cat is committed... <laughs> He also yeah. is a well-read cat. He's reading his owner's library when the owner is not home. He's It's a real splinter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle situation where he's got, like, his master that he's learning from and becoming a kind of, you know, archivist himself. Um, <laughs> and Pascal, you can tell, is going to be important, but you don't totally, totally know what his deal is yet. Uh, and there's, you know, he's got a big chart of all the cats that have been killed. And then next up on the list is Felicity, and so Francis goes like, oh, shit. And he runs. Uh, and this is genuinely like this got me like this is just fucking brutal. Um, Francis leaves the place sharpish to go make sure that Felicity is OK. Uh, and he gets through the ceiling uh, the way he did before. And he just sees her decapitated head sitting next to her body in a puddle of blood. And this movie does not really operate in a subtle way. Ever. <laughs> that's true uh it never it, it's never heard of subtlety Subtle like it's just for cowards <laughs> that's actually kind of my thing is like this movie uh you know it's it's like gremlins 2 the new batch right where you're like okay so we've got this neo-noir horror mystery that's super gory and fucky that involves cats um what was the target audience for this movie <laughs> 
And I remember I posted on uh, Twitter ages ago when we did Gremlins 2, the new batch, and was like, what was the target audience for this movie that involves a foot job under a table at a restaurant? And somebody just responded with kids who aren't pussies. <laughs> that's, that's like all I can think is just like German voice, children who are not cowards. <laughs> like that is the audience for Felidae. Um Yeah, because you're just seeing Felicity's decapitated body just right there in front of God and everybody. And it's so upsetting. And then Francis is like, you know, the way that I deal with trauma is to hunt rats. <laughs> Yeah, we also get a lot of rat murder in this movie. It's like, I'm going to blow off some steam and kill several hundred rats. It's a very Anakin Skywalker in the prequels kind of mood. <laughs> about like, oh, you killed the person I love? Genocide. I'm going to go murder some children about it. Yeah, actually, that's my question. Uh, are do are the mice also sentient the way cats are? Like, how, how, how far down does it go? <laughs> It's like it's not covered because Francis also kills insects. So it's like there's really no firm answer on on who is a a, a sentient creature and who isn't. Yeah, it's 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 left a, it's left a bit squidgy. Um, now at this point we get the uh, uh, an absolute barn burner of a uh, dream sequence where we get we start to figure out what the deal is with um, maybe some of these cats, maybe some of them dying. We get uh, Quincy. You mentioned earlier the marionette sequence. What what does this look like again? It is a faceless scientist in a lab coat uh, dancing <clears throat> dead cats around uh, marionette style. <laughs> Man, and yeah, they're all they're all dead, and he's just and and we you know from there uh, because you know with the scientist, I feel like you know if you've ever like watched a movie before, you know that like oh it's cats and they keep having this boogeyman that's just a large man in a lab coat, and you know you immediately sort of know like okay, so somebody was probably doing some experiments on cats, um, and then Francis finds a video journal. Which what would we do uh, without <laughs> the video journal plot device? <laughs> Hey, what up, YouTube? It's your boy, drunken German scientist. I'm, I'm, I'm out here today. Smash the fucking like button. I'm gonna torture some cats. Um, it's incredible. He so the the uh, the thing that the scientist is trying to develop is basically now. I think we actually have this now. Um, but he's trying to develop a sort of epoxy glue that will instantly close flesh wounds. Like it'll just bond the skin back together. Uh, and so to test this out, this uh, scientist has this huge kennel full of cats, and we just get footage of cats getting the backs of their heads opened up and gouged into and acid poured into it like Jeffrey fucking Dahmer. Um, it's it's rough. It's a rough watch. Yeah. And then um, this scientist, by accident, stumbles upon one cat that this solution works on. It doesn't work on any other cat. But he's right. like, and for some reason, this one cat named um, Claudinus, it works on. So yeah. the solution is not to try to make a new, a new uh, chemical compound. It's just to make more cats like Claudinus. <laughs> Which, I gotta tell you, the fact that this is a German production that features a hefty eugenic subplot, it's not great. Yeah, it's like, pretty bad. 
you're thinking about Nazis. I'm thinking about Nazis. Like, this is... Now, and, and mercifully, you know, the guy doesn't have a menacing, like, Indiana Jones villain German accent. Um, but this scientist uh, who is, you know, running all these experiments, whose name is uh, uh, Praterius, by the way. Not Praterius. Uh, fascinating. Kind of reminds me of Dr. Praterius in Frankenstein. Maybe some Frankensteins. Uh, he, yeah, and he's sort of, um, he's testing this stuff out on cats, and then his funding gets cut, and when his funding gets cut, so does his sobriety, um, and we just get this, like, woozy footage of him boozing and experimenting on cats, and it is, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. It's pretty, it's pretty hard to watch. I think it's also important to remember that this is based on a novel by Akif Perinci, mm-hmm. who uh, is a Turkish-born German. Uh, oh, so okay. <laughs> him working out some issues with uh, German issues is is interesting. I, although I'm also hmm. seeing that no, he just called a guy a mentally sick, uh, manic Kiesler with a screw loose. Um, well, that's better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he actually, um, oh, okay. uh, he's also uh, right wing. Oh, there we go. But not, as far as we know, not a, a white Nazi. So not that's a white good. Nazi, a, a <laughs> Turkish Nazi. One of them, one of them Turkish Nazis, yeah. yeah. I now, and it's incredible because so Claudinus uh, murders Doctor Praterius uh, to set everybody, uh, everybody free. Um, now I, I will say this to somebody: I almost actually got severely, severely injured by a cat. So on my uh, on my right wrist, I have a long, long scar uh, going down the front of my wrist because um, my friend Mallory uh, has a cat named Sailor Ripley, who's a big dumb hunk. And Sailor Ripley was sitting on my lap one day because I was, like, working on stuff and had gone over to Mallory's to, as, as, like, a sort of, like, work thing where it's like, all right, let's all just, like, work in the same space. And uh, Sailor Ripley, uh, a sound from outside jarred him, and he leapt off of my lap immediately like cats do, but his claw was wickedly curved and it gouged down into my wrist and it was just, like, an, like a quarter inch away from that big blue vein on your wrist. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I still have a huge scar from from that cat, uh, who I also love and adore and frequently ask for pictures of because he's perfect. Um, but yeah, like I, I I love the fact that a cat could genuinely kill somebody in in moments if they really really wanted to. Yeah, and this movie really uh, <laughs> proves that theory because the vivisections uh, only get worse as the movie progresses. <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, which is wild so, with a movie which, like, the second murder is a decapitation. It's like, actually, it's going to get grosser. Yeah. Oh, it. Oh my god. This this third act is, it's like fucking Hamlet. Like, it's just, we're feeding bodies down the wood chipper. Um, now, Claudinus, uh, the cat, who was the best of all cats, uh, is the one who is revered by the cult that throws people into lightning bolts as being a martyr. Um and so we kind of, you know, like, so Francis is starting to unravel what happened. Like, was it a, so it was a drunk scientist. Uh, and then, you know, like many cats, in order to totally process these thoughts, he fucks another cat and it's also upsetting. 
Yes, because there's a full-on... Which I also like that this movie is contemporary with The Lion King, where it's like, you cowards, we're going to actually show cat coitus. Yeah, you're going to show Nala giving Simba the bedroom eyes? We are... All right, there's a, there's a German who showed up to work that day, and his job was to animate these cats fucking, like, full-on... did it. Now, I also wish I didn't know about cat physiology... And the fact that cats have barbed penises that scrape the uterine lining out to make the the lady cat more fertile for the thing. Uh, And so we get, you know, Francis, and it's like there's this uh, lady cat sort of wandering around the yard, and they both yell at each other, and then they fuck and yell at each other while fucking. And then right afterward, they bat at each other, and he jumps away. And it's, I honestly kind of love that, like, yeah, it do be like that with cats. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a pleasant scene at all. No, no. And, you know, he sort of jumps away and he's like, hey, so uh, what's your name <laughs> after they fuck? And she's like, oh, what a quaint question. What, what a quaint and old fashioned question. Who am I? Um, and, you know, he's kind of like starting to figure it out. Like, huh, you seem kind of genetically engineered almost. <laughs> um, I've never seen a cat quite like you before. <laughs> Oh, wow, you've got great bone structure. Like, it's just super, he's, like, trying to figure it out. And we get so many scenes of Francis talking with Pascal about this stuff. And it's sort of like, Pascal keeps things super theoretical, I think. Yeah, he's like, well, conceivably with selective breeding, there could be an older style of cat that could be superior to the watered-down genetics of new cats. There's no way of getting around the eugenics talk. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's pretty much front and center. Um, and and it, it is it is a true thing that cats evolutionarily started out as, like, big cats, and then there were rural cats who were, like, the sort of second evolution. And then uh, modern house cats are literally basically big cats, just much, much smaller, and have learned to cooperate. Um, <laughs> which I love, by the way, that we've never actually, like domesticated cats really like we've domesticated dogs and sort of you know molded them to be more like what we want in dogs and you know, like cats have never totally done that they just happen to live in our homes but the fact that we talk about feral dogs only in like soap opera type dragged away by feral dogs and feral <laughs> cats are like oh yeah they live under my apartment complex i've seen them every day yeah oh feral cats they're fine don't worry about the feral cats that live under my building like (laughs) yeah yeah and so you know we get this sort of thing about you know like the the drunken scientist was yelling non-germanly i feel like i need to point out about creating a, a, a super race of cats um and so you know you've got this sort of thing and you've got this sort of thing in the background that's like okay so somebody's trying to genetically engineer some cats um we so I don't know. A so lot of stuff happens. Kong, the other, like, Tomcat, <laughs> is like, hey, fuck ass, what are you doing? And Francis is like, I'm trying to solve a murder. And he's like, I killed all those cats because I'm a cat killer and let's fight. And <laughs> they, they run through the neighborhood. And Francis the whole time is like, I'm winded, but so are you because you're actually a fat, dumb cat. Uh, <laughs> But then they run into Kong's, like, main squeeze cat who's been disemboweled in another backyard. Yeah, and he, and so this this cat who got murdered, uh, they're named Solitaire, um, and 
you know, Kong just kind of breaks down and loses his shit because he actually cared about this cat and was just like, what the fuck? All the terror's been disemboweled. And it's just like, it's not just disemboweled. It's like party streamers. Yeah. Like, this cat got super gutted. And all shown on camera. I will say, I respect the fuck out of this movie for having the courage of its convictions. Just be like, yeah, we're killing cats in this movie. And just having their guts all over the place. Um, And at this point, you know, Kong's, yeah, I'm a cat murderer thing, pretty much completely crumbles. Because he's, you know, he can't maintain the illusion that he killed Solitaire. And Francis was like, damn, that was my one lead. And then a mystery cat jumps out to drag the body away. Man, it's now I do sort of love that thing about these cats that they seem to have their own quiet little lives like they're getting rid of the bodies they've, you know, and and at no point do I feel like it's like a human society that's basically cats like no, they've got their own cat concerns. They've got their own stuff going on. Um, It's it's really is the what do your cats do when you're at work kind of thing. And I'll tell you what they pets, but fuck you. It's more like the secret. It's more like the secret death of pets. Like it's. I'll tell you what your cats do when you're fucking off at work, trying to kick each other's guts out. That's what. Like it's. So oh. the the tunnel that that Francis follows this weird ghoul cat down mm-hmm. into a literal catacombs, which Bluebeard is like, we're really gonna make that joke right now, but is you know a shrine of cat skeletons. Yeah, and, and there's there's a little sort of, like, cellar-dweller named... Is it Zebold? Yeah. Yeah, who's sort of, you know, been keeping track of all this stuff. And, like, I love that there are so many cats, that, like, on the periphery of this thing, like, recording what's going on and talking about all these dead cats. Um, Artfully arranging them to mummify into a tower. There is, yeah, there is a column of dead cats. A pillar of corpses. Um... In this movie. Now, this feels to me like the logical conclusion of like an all dogs go to heaven where it's just like, no, no, we're actually going to take it all the way and do this as big as we can do it, which I I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty into it. So finally, uh, Francis learns that Joker is the one who's been uh, supplying all of these dead bodies to the weird uh, cat crypt keeper. Uh, so then Francis is like, finally, I've got my, my suspect. It's Joker, just like I thought. He leads a cat cult. He kills cats. Fuck him. And what does Francis discover when he goes back to find Joker? Uh, is he dead? He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, fuck again. Every time I have a plausible lead, <laughs> I can't figure it out. But he's like, yeah. that's weird. It looks almost like Joker was executed because he's, you know, laid out very uh, ornately, and it looks like he just let his throat be cut. And then it, from the shadows, we don't get clapping because cats can't clap. <laughs> that's true. They can't. But this cat, the cat. Pascal shows up and said, I see you've solved my crime. Yeah, like Pascal has big anime villain energy of just like, haha, you, ah, aren't I a stinker? You know, like he's, now Pascal, uh, we realize, turned out all along to be Claudinus the Cat. Yes. Um, the, 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 the one that survived the experiments, the one that killed Dr. Praterius, uh, the, the, the object of worship for the lightning bolt cult. 
Um, and he, you know, and his entire thing is that he's the one trying to, apparently all of the murdered cats, uh, including Joker, were all like, God, I hate that I'm about to say this. Uh, he says that, like they were genetically inferior. And, and he says that they weren't complying with his selective breeding <clears throat> program. So basically, everyone horny gets murdered in this movie. Yeah, which sort of tracks with what Felicity was saying about, like, you know, when Francis was like, so when they died, like, did you hear any sounds? And she's like, yeah, they were down to fuck. Like, they sounded like they were trying to get their dicks wet. Uh, <laughs> and so it sort of tracks that, like, oh, yeah, no, they were super horny, but... Also, Claudinus didn't want them fucking uh, any of the, the, the lady cats. And so it's basically Claudinus has this ambition to create a master race of cats. Yeah. Um, and I now I think there is something to the fact that Claudinus has sort of internalized some of the messaging from doc- Dr. Praetorius and become Dr. Praetorius. Yeah, the, the victim has become the perpetrator. Right. Like he's internalized the worst things about, you know, the way that he was brought up and sort of, you know, even after killing his tormentor in Dr. Pretarius, he's like still perpetuating a lot of the same shit that was done to him. And it's also um, a really interesting thing that is uh, fodder for a lot of anim- uh, anthropomorphic movies. I mean, in Zootopia and Beastars, we also get that like inter animal speciesism and it's also really fascinating as like a comment on what we do when we get obsessed with breeding Mm -hmm. and like you know we literally talk about cats and dogs having good breeding and like we keep papers on our animals and we also don't give a flying fuck about strays because you know the whole adopt don't shop thing but uh that seems to really have only become popular in recent decades not in the 90s so like maybe this isn't a problematic eugenicsy thing but then you have the (laughs) author of the original novel saying i don't care if people calls call me a nazi (laughs) which is a hell of a you know like yeah like said said the non-nazi never (laughs) yeah like listen if people call me a national socialist i mean you know like that's that's your words not mine like well no it's your words now because you're not fucking disavowing it so um yeah i mean like there's there's this huge thing i mean like adopt don't shop is yeah you're totally right it's a very modern thing that we all have where it's like up until very, very recently, I mean, like, I don't know. My cat Buttercup was astray, and Tinkerbell, we happened to... Um, acqu- have I told you about how we, we uh, came to have Tinkerbell Dog? No, I'm fascinated with this. Oh, story. all right, so this is a this is a deep cut from uh, for, for, uh, for Rank and Vile. So Tinkerbell, <laughs> uh, the, the face of our podcast and of all of our branding. Um, so Tinkerbell Dog was one of two dogs. Uh, it was her and uh, a Rottweiler Husky mix named Harvey, who was a very handsome boy and very friendly. Um, and they were both puppies, and they were next door to uh, Christina's mom, Jen, uh, in Echo Park, like, years and years ago, in, like, the mid-2000s. Uh, um, and the the dudes next door were, like, going to uh, enter Tinkerbell into dogfighting as a bait dog. Like... Jen overheard them discussing, like, yeah, I've got a friend who does dog fighting. They need a bait dog, and Tinkerbell is kind of small for a dog. So, you know, the other dogs can, like, you know, use her to, like, you know, build up their confidence and get better at dog fighting. So they were going to just give these, you know, dogs, like, dog fighting rings. And Jen, who is out of her mind, and I love her very much, um, sort of when they weren't looking, 
like they left these dogs on the front porch all the time so she just kind of scooped them the fuck up and ran back to her house with these two dogs uh and then the dudes came knocking and were like hey where's the fucking dog and jen was like here's a hundred dollars please leave me alone i'll take care of the dogs just please leave me alone and she also has really great crazy eyes uh and so the neighbors were like all right whatever who gives a shit uh, and also, so Tinkerbell, doing something illegal. So it's not like, what are they going to do? Call the cops and say this they, lady she, stole my dog fighting dog. <laughs> like she stole the dog that we were rightfully going to enter into dog fighting. <laughs> um, but it's incredible because one of the dude's uh, daughters actually named her Tinkerbell because like the guy was like, I want to like, you know, like he was like trying to name the dogs. I was like, y- you know, do, do you want to name her? And she's like Tinkerbell. And he tried arguing with his child. Like, no, this dog needs a tougher name. And it's like, no. This tiny child in Echo Park was a prophet who knew that this dog's name was Tinkerbell. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, you know, like, most of, like, all of the pets I've had in my adult life that I've had kind of happened by accident. Like, I kind of can't imagine going to a breeder to get a certain kind of an animal. So, it's especially fascinating when, um, so, full disclosure, my teenage dog and the only dog I've had, um, is a pug and she was Mm -hmm. a purebred pug which is mankind's uh hubris uh (laughs) made flesh Uh, they're so cute (laughs) like but also the amount of pug specific rescues and other like breed rescues that i've seen because Mm -hmm. people think they want a specific breed and then turns out people can't take care of other living things very well absolutely like also with pugs i mean that's kind of the thing with pugs is when i look at them i'm like i feel half guilty because i'm like oh buddy you can't breathe and we did this to you and the rest of me is like she was rife with health problems she had uh dog eczema (laughs) oh no and dacne which is dog acne (laughs) (laughs) dacne I didn't realize that was a term. I mean, like, that's the thing. So on one level, I'm like, oh, no, we did this to you. And then the rest of my brain is like, oh, my God, look at this face. I want to pr- I want to rub this face on my face. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like, we've uh, we've bred animals at this point. And it's sort of, I don't know. I feel like I, in, so in, in terms of, like, strays, um, this is kind of the funny thing about, uh, Pascal, or excuse me, uh, Claudinus the cat trying to be like, ah, I'm going to breed for, you know, supremacy. Mutts have this, the hardiest constitutions pet-wise. Yeah, because they have a diverse genome. Uh, right. So, so it kind of undoes, except the film never, you know, addresses that. They're never like, actually, let's look at why Claudinus is bad. Because at <laughs> the end of the movie, um... Francis was like, more we're all Philidae. And, you know, we're all trying to be them, those perfect cats. So it's like, no, this this movie does not disavow um, eugenics. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and, you know, we now, and, and I, need, I need to stress again, uh, the same year as The Lion King came out, uh, where, where we also have a showdown between two felines in front of a big roaring bonfire. Um, yes, except this one has literal disembowelment. It's incredible. So Claudinus and Francis both get a running leap, and they're both jumping at each other, like, howling and yowling. And uh, Francis's front claw, just like a zipper, just kind of opens up the bottom of Claudinus's belly in midair in slow goddamned motion. 
and he makes it rain in midair. And Claudinus Lang... What I'm kind of upset about, though, is literally cats have a primordial pouch to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Claudinus is a very old cat. But I also yeah. don't want to be the person who's arguing cat biology on a podcast. <laughs> oh, I mean, the thing is, I was ready to accept this immediately, and I'll tell you why. Um, I have known a cat named Ratty who was uh, 20 years old at the time of his death and had, in his time, killed, uh, I think, two neighborhood dogs because... Now, Cl- Ratty was a son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> in, a, in a movie, Ratty would be played by Tom Waits with, like, lopsided cat ears, just, like, smoking a cigarette. Um, and apparently what had happened was that Ratty had these bat claws that weren't just curled, but kind of curled under at, like sort of 180 degrees and so uh you know like a couple of the neighborhood dogs would like wander onto the lawn and try starting shit with this cat and what ratty would do was get underneath them and get on his back and start batting at the belly of the dog hard enough and quick enough that he would just fucking disembowel these dogs in like five seconds um and so I, I think, you know, I was thinking of that when I just saw, you know, Francis leaping through the air and just unzipping Claudinus's belly and his guts just tumbling out. Um, and then, you know, Claudinus kind of gets a moment before dying of being like, ah, I used to be a good cat, but now I'm a bad cat and now I'm a dead cat. And he just kind of dies. And then Francis um, kind of waxes poetic about why he spent too much Claudinus spent too much time with humans and he became like a human. Uh, How does this movie actually feel about humans? I I don't fucking know. How does it feel about cats? (laughs) Right? What is this movie saying? (laughs) I don't... The mission statement... The mission statement of Felidae is maybe slightly hazy uh, at this point. I don't... It's never really clear what they're trying to say about any of this stuff. Yeah, and and especially doing literally Wikipedia research to reveal that the creator of Felidae, which by the way, this is a book series, so sure kids, you could read Redwall or The Warriors, or you could read a series about a fuck cat who goes on a... <laughs> A wrong. You know what? Uh, your 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 classmates are a bunch of weenies out here reading Watership Down. Uh, <laughs> come come meet me behind the parking lot of the Sun Coast, and I will give you from the trunk of my Toyota Corolla a DVD rip of Felidae. Like this is a it's yeah yeah like it's, so it's, I had friends who managed a Sun Coast at the time of Sun Coast's demise. Oh, nice! And uh, I hear legend that they hid DVDs in the rafter in the rafters uh, and planned to come back later to get them. So now mm-hmm. there's a Goonies style treasure in the, in, a, in the mall of my hometown where I'm convinced that there's like five copies of Dark Shadows. <laughs> Holy shit! One through three stuck in the rafters. <laughs> there has to be. It's just like yeah. It's just like stored there, like the the money bag from Fargo. <laughs> like it's just you know somebody's gonna somebody's gonna happen upon it like years from now. Um, oof. So yeah. So Felidae. Uh, Quincy, do I like this movie? I, do I like this movie? <laughs> I don't think I can support it. 
Yeah, yeah. That's that's ultimately what it is, right? I don't like think you can tell people to go watch it. Yeah, like if now, and it's kind of the thing is, you know, like I was, I was, you know, talking about it on the Rank and Vile Twitter with people, and I kind of, I wanted to post a link to the full movie, which is up on YouTube, by the way, uh, and. I stopped myself from doing it because I'm like, if somebody watched Felidae based on my say so <laughs> on this link, I would feel really bad. Yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah. Is it the worst thing we've ever seen? Oh, certainly not. No, no, no. No, the worst. Now, all right, so this being our, and I cannot stress this enough, 500th movie, um, our 499th movie on the list is 666 Beware the End is at Hand. Uh, parts one and two from uh, you know the the Nollywood uh, classic. Um, that's the worst movie we've seen so far on this podcast. It is uh, genuinely offensive and uh, incites violence. Yeah, it, it encourages violence against uh, uh, gay people. And and also, I want to point out like this movie is not super nice about the like homophobic threats from uh, uh, Kong the cat like yelling at. Francis, which, by the way, I, I don't know, like, Francis, I kept feeling like the movie was telling me, like, yeah, this cat is gay, but then he fucks a lady cat. I kind of wish this movie had the strength of its convictions to be, like, the reason Francis can investigate all of these cat murders is that he's not led by his dick to genetically engineered lady cats. Yeah, but then also I worry that the directors are right. But noir, we have to get every beat of film noir. <laughs> Which actually, and with film noir, I feel like film noir is frequently queer to me in a way. And, you know, we'll, listen, we'll get to ranking it, uh, ranking this movie in a bit. But I feel like film noir is necessarily a kind of queer subgenre because heterosexual sex in noir doesn't fucking end well. And I feel like so frequently you get, like, a, a noir protagonist is not interested in getting their dick wet. Like, you think of, like, a Philip Marlowe, uh, and they're mostly just tired. Um, <laughs> if, if there's a beautiful woman who's interested in your dick, you need to know and recognize that, no, she's not. She's actually going to try to kill you. Nobody involved there is actually trying to fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I... Uh, Noir wise, I yeah, I don't know. Alright, so looking at alright, so looking at the list. Um this is definitely not the worst thing we've watched uh, on this but list. It's by uh, nowhere near the top of the list. No, definitely not. Now, alright, uh, so for upsetting things that we've watched on this podcast, Quincy, at number four hundred twenty-four, we have Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> uh the movie that featured real life animal cruelty. Uh, and it's just it, the, the movie that uh, the the actors actually had to go to court to prove that nobody had actually died in this movie. Which do we think is better, Cannibal okay. Holocaust or Felidae? Here's why Cannibal Holocaust is better. Okay. Because uh, although it features real death of animals mm -hmm. and Felidae features simulated animal death, mm -hmm. Spooky Buddies is a above Cannibal Holocaust, <laughs> and Spooky Buddies is part of the Air Bud franchise, where in Snow Buddies, a entire litter of puppies died uh -huh. on set, which is more animal deaths than Cannibal Holocaust, uh, all in the name of making a movie with Cuba Go Gooding Jr. Oof, that's right. So Actual that's puppies. That's my roundabout way of saying <laughs> 
Cannibal Holocaust is better. Now, we also have at number 482 another Uh nihilistic German film, Necromantic 2. Oh, there we go. Uh, So Necromantic 2 being the German movie that's like, hey, remember Necromantic, the movie about fucking corpses? Here's that again. And then it's just, (laughs) you know, and it's just that. Uh, Although I would say, and I'm going to, I want to punch myself in the throat for saying this. I feel like Necromantic 2 is more adventurous than Necromantic. (laughs) I feel like they take advantage of the sonic space like a little more than than Necromantic. Um, So I feel like I want to give the edge to Necromantic 2, but right underneath Necromantic 2 at number 43 is The Nun from 2018, which is part of that god-awful Conjuring universe. So here's Um, the problem with that. Uh, and I just need to complain more. The actual Conjuring movies, pretty good. Okay. For what they are, which Mm -hmm. is just the characters Ed and Lorraine Warren saying, oh man, we shouldn't investigate this. It's too evil. Ed, Ed is like, no, Lorraine, we can't investigate this. And Lorraine's like, but Ed... There's a child involved. <laughs> and Ed's like, God damn it. Okay. Ah, geez. Yeah, actually, like the Conjuring movies themselves, I've seen the first Conjuring movie. I didn't bother with the second one. Um, I did like uh, The Curse of La Llorona because it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but yeah, honestly, yeah, the, the Conjuring movies themselves I'm, are, are sort of fine. It's like, for me, it's like a movie that you would watch in the medium place on The Good Place. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's fine. You know, it's a fine movie. Um, but The Nun from 2018 is dog shit. Yeah, it takes um, everything cool about a character that's in a movie for like five seconds and uh, murders it dead. Yeah, it's just there's no momentum. There's is, nothing interesting. Is The Nun the Django Fett of, of uh, the Conjuring <laughs> universe? <laughs> Yeah, this character that's just sort of in the background, and you're like, whoa, what's going on there? And then they just explore it briefly, and they're like, ah, I thought I had something there. Sorry. I, <laughs> I made I made action figures and everything. I didn't actually, I didn't think this one all the way through. Um, yeah, yeah. I, the Nun is just, it's a big nothing. You know, like, I watched that whole movie. Uh, I remember nothing about it, aside from being bored and annoyed the entire time. Yeah, that's also what I remember. I think... There was a nun in it, but I don't really remember. <laughs> the Nun 2018 probably featured a nun, we feel. And um, I promise I watched that from start to finish, and it's just washed over my brain. Yeah, we both did. It was just like neuralized from our brains the moment we watched it. Like, there's just nothing. There there were people. It's incredible. There, there are people for whom probably this was like a months-long project in a period of their lives that they, you know was really central to them as either filmmakers or people and it's it it's just it's it's nothing it's or nothing. even um, simply a paycheck someone spent their one wild and wondrous life on this oh yeah i mean i watched it on a creatively acquired uh website uh but yeah like somebody probably paid money to go see this in theaters and like just sit down and watch it which is incredible to me um but yeah it is uh, garbage and i feel confident putting Felidae uh, underneath Necromantic 2 and above the Nun 2018 at our new number 483. Oh, man. <laughs> our 500th movie, Quincy. We have, and by by movie, I mean that some of these are either TV specials, wrestling matches, or otherwise not quite horror movies. Uh, but we have talked about and ranked 
500 properties now. <laughs> in our lives, we have done this. Yeah. And uh, are you ready to quit? <laughs> Feels bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's listen. We're we're gonna stay the course. It's yeah. This is the life we've chosen for ourselves. This is a uh, this is our penance. Listen, for every crow, the city of angels, there's a crow hand. Something <laughs> good for something bad. Crow hand fucking rules. Uh, yeah, that's... Oof. All right, fellow Quincy, uh, where can our listeners find us on the internet? We are on just about every social media platform. You just find us at Rank and Vile or Rank and Vile Cast, depending. Uh, that's not very helpful. Do we have a landing page yet? We need a fucking link tree or something. Oh, definitely. So if you go to FaustianNonsense.com, F-A-U-S-T-I-A-N-N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E.com, uh, this is going to be our landing page for where you're going to find uh, a copy of the list and uh, our merch page. Um, we uh, have a WordPress that we're going to be adding a bunch of different articles to lately. And, you know, guys, if you have uh, an article that you kind of want to, you know, write about horror movies... Uh, or about, you know, sort of like, you know, horror, you know, ephemera that you, you know, have an interest in writing about. Like, let's say that you want to write an essay about, um, you know, feminism in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and the last scene with Stretch doing the chainsaw dance. Um, we would love to uh, put your work up on our WordPress. Uh, you're going to want to go to uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com and drop that there. Um, guys, we have a Patreon uh, full of episodes, both horror and non-horror uh, because sometimes, listen, we want to talk about a canon release, and it's the only place we can put that in good conscience. Um, I'm very so pleased about our episode about Cobra. It is well worth your your money. Oh, it's definitely worth a, 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 a you know five bucks in a, a Folgers can. So you're going to want to head over to Patreon.com/slash Rank and Vile, guys. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. If you like what we do on Rank and Vile. Uh, and you en enjoy our shenanigans and also us talking about cartoon cats disemboweling each other and fucking, uh, guys, consider, you know, leaving us a nice review on iTunes uh, or whatever review you think is fair. Um, it'll really, really help us get up the bracket and sort of get out to more people. And uh, even if you're you're not a reviewer type person, um, I know some podcast apps don't make it super easy. Uh, approaching someone in a dark alley and saying, have you ever heard of Rank and Vile? They talk about disemboweling <laughs> cats. Uh, that does uh, that does us a lot of good too. Yeah. Side note: Everybody I know uh, who's reached out to us who drives either an Uber or a Lyft and has left Rank and Vile cast uh, on uh, while ferrying people to destinations and having people go, "Wait, what are they talking about?" Uh, <laughs> thank you for thank you for uh, getting getting the word out. Um, but barring that, that is about all I've got. Do you got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.